show me wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Concentrate. Look in my eye. Lock a hand. Thumb inside. Get! Get! Ladies and gentlemen, Get! this Look, is I the main event of the evening. All right, welcome in. This is a big one, boys. UFC 295 here on RJ Bell's Dream Preview UFC edition. Actually, you're probably hearing this on Straight Out of Vegas AM feed. That's good. Be subscribed to both. Uh, I'm AJ Hoffman, joined as I always am for these big pay per views by Sleepy J. What's up, Sleepy? Hanging on for dear life today, but I'm I'm hanging in there. That's all you can ask for, man. And we're uh, we're coming up on these fights. And I got to tell you, this is for a, a card that lost John Jones and Stipe Miocic, which it's like, oh, man, that, that everybody was looking forward to that fight. It, the card might be better. Like this is this is such a fantastic card top to bottom that I, I don't think anyone like I, I don't think anyone's complaining that it lost the, the the main event. I mean, I think everybody would love to see John Jones, but it's not like people are saying, "Oh, I'm not going to buy that pay per view now." I mean, this is that good of a card. There is one fight, uh, and it's a, a late edition, Matus Rebeski and Roosevelt Roberts. Uh, that's like a minus six fifty, minus seven hundred type favorite. The next biggest, widest spread is Jamal Emmers and Dennis Bazukia, and that's a minus 275 plus 210 spread. So there's none, There's not a bunch of these minus 1200s. There's not a lot of these walkthrough fights where you think one guy is just going to style on the other. These are really well-matched fights, uh, and I think the, the main event and the Cobain event are about as well-matched as you can get uh, to the point where there's, I mean... Uh, I think if you asked a casual fan who didn't know the odds, who do you think is favored? I, I I think you'd probably get, if you asked 10 people, I think you'd get five guesses on each side in both fights. So I, I'm excited. I'm pumped for this card. It's one I've been waiting for. And even I think like through the the, the rest of the main card and, and all the way down to the prelims, I think there's just a lot of really good action. So if, you know, I'm not here to try to make the UFC money, but, if you are one of those guys who buys like a pay-per-view every three months, this is the one. I, I think this is just a fantastic card. So uh should be fun. Let's get into the breakdowns and let's start with the main event. And this is, I mean, again, I, I, I'd say it like it's, it's, I feel like it's worth repeating. This is about as good of a matched fight as you could have. Yuri Prohoshka and Alex Pereira. Uh, for the interim light heavyweight title. And again, this is bounced back and forth a little bit. Actually, I guess it's not an interim fight. This is like the, for the main thing now, because there is no, there is no, uh, nobody waiting since, uh, Hill is, is out for the foreseeable future. So I guess this is for, this is an actual title fight for, for the, uh, undisputed title, but Prohoshka 29, three and one, he is three and zero in the UFC. Alex Pereira, eight and two, five and one 
in the UFC. The fact that these guys, one guy has three UFC fights and has already won a title. The other guy has six UFC fights, and here they are fighting for an undisputed title is pretty wild when you think about it. The odds here, like I said, very close. Plus 105 on Prohashka, minus 115 you can get. The best number I see here for Pereira. Um, and these are two guys who, they in their UFC careers anyway, have been finishers. And I worry, I'll go ahead and kick it off, I guess. I worry that the experience of Prohoshka, and I said only three UFC fights, but this guy's been in the game for a long time, where Alex Pedeta, very new to the game. Both these guys are going to want to stand up and bang. And Alex Pereira in that world is, is in a kickboxing sense, is is as good as anyone in the world. But in an MMA cage, Prohoshka has been about as good as it gets. He has not lost an MMA fight since 2015. And you might think, well, maybe he's not fighting all that often. It's 13 fights ago. I, I mean, this guy is very, until this recent injury, had been very active he was a legit prospect before getting to the UFC back in 2020. He was a a, a Ryzen fighter and just a, a dominant force in Ryzen, which is a, a very good promotion internationally. Um, to me, those are the types of things, ha- having that experience in a fight like this that are sort of an X factor when you don't really know where to go. You, you, you see both these guys having great skills. You see both these guys being finishers. You say, man, how do I, how do I choose? For me, it, it kind of boils down to that experience being such a big factor. Uh, Pereira has looked great for the most part in the UFC, with the exception of, of falling asleep in the middle of the Adesanya rematch, which, you know, I guess that, that happens sometimes. Um, but Pereira's wrestling has been... Uh, his defensive wrestling has been not good at all. Uh, I don't know that Prohoshka looks for any in this. but and, and also the other factor is, I think, this is Pereira, again, having moved up in weight class. And fighting at 205 pounds is different. And, and don't get me wrong, it's not like Pereira is too small for this division. He looked massive uh, last time he was out. Uh, he, he was huge. So, uh, but... But Prohashka is also a big 205 and is also a big strong man. I I think that there's a lot of advantages for him being used to fighting these types of guys. And I don't know. Again, it's it's not like I think Prohashka is going to wrestle, but if things get ugly, he's got that option. But I also think when you talk about durability and Pereira being, it, it feels certainly old from a fight age standpoint, even though he's only got 10 fights in MMA, a long kickboxing career. He's 36 years old. This is a a young man's game. And if these two guys are going to get in the middle of the cage and throw down, I tend to lean to the younger guy. So uh, I'm going to go with Prohoshka. I'm going to say, I I think whoever wins this fight, it's a knockout. I, I don't think this fight sees the final bell. I think it's almost impossible um, but I'm going to go with Prohoshka in the second round, maybe early third, uh, to get the knockout. What do you think? I'm kind of on the other side. 
but I will say this, that this is the fight that I'm the most excited to watch, but it's the, the fight that I'm least excited to go ahead and bet because I'm with you. I feel like this is kind of like one of those 50-50 fights, and the odds are pretty much saying that. I do have concerns for both guys. I think that there could be maybe some fatigue maybe with Alex, the fact that he's been in there you know, multiple times over the last you know year, year and a half. But I guess kind of like a feather in his cap in a sense to that is that he's fought the top of the food chain. And on the other side, Prohajka, you know, he hasn't been in there in a long time. The last guy he fought was Glover Teixeira. And it was like, you know, like, where was he at? Was he at the top of the food chain? I mean, he was doing well. I don't want, I don't want to, you know, go ahead and throw any shade his way, but I do worry about that layoff. And I, and I like the fact that Alexis fought the top of the food chain. And when I look at both of these guys, just as fighters in general, because you go back and you watch all the fights, like I do worry about Prohashka. Just he seems like he's a very awkward type of fighter that leaves himself open more than he should. And I think that Alex might actually notice that early and, and try to attack. And if that's the case, I think his power could reign supreme here. I'm not completely sold on Alex, honestly. I'm just not. But I think if I had to put my money down, I would do that. So I guess AJ, what I'm saying is that I'm going to bet this as a fan, not as a professional handicapper. It's more for action, entertainment. So I would take Alex here, and it would probably be you know, more of just like a fan type of bet, like a happy pizza bet kind of thing. It's going to be an interesting fight. It's the one that I'm most excited to see. But it's like I said, it's the least excited that I am to go ahead and bet here. I might be with you on that. Like it, it is, uh, it's a tough fight to decide. Who, especially looking at the, the who who you think is going to win, it, it is a tough call to make. Um, there's there's not a lot on these guys against this level of competition. I think the fact that uh, Pereira is he trains with Glover Teixeira and it, like this is his protege and that was Prohashka's last fight and now he can look at some of the things that Glover did although Glover lost that fight obviously Glover had more success against Yuri than anyone's had in a long long time uh, and was on his way to probably winning that fight the problem becomes the things that Glover leaned on aren't really available to, to, to Alex, like being able to get the takedowns and hold down. That's just not an option really, but to also tested his chin and obviously uh, Pereira can do that as well. It just feels to me like Prohashka is, is so durable. I, I mean, until I see someone just lamp him, I, I'm going to keep thinking that he can take these shots. So certainly one of the more interesting car or fights on the card to watch uh, but again, I think it is a bit of a coin flip as far as who you think will walk away with their hand raised. All right, let's look at the co-main, which this one is for the interim heavyweight title. Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. And again, these fights incredibly well matched. This is a much closer fight than the jones Miacic fight would have been, which was, probably, I think, minus 400 and, and plus 300 uh, on John Jones in that fight. Well, this one is, again, about as close as can be. Minus 112, minus 108 right now at DraftKings. Uh, Tom Aspinall, the ever so slight favorite here. Uh, I'll let you lead off on this one. What do you see between these two explosive heavyweights? When I looked at both of these fighters and I looked at the results, the competition that they faced, I didn't see a whole hell of a lot of separation. But one of the things that... I kind of have to remind myself about, especially when you get into like these upper echelon fights, the title fights, title eliminator type fights, 
I feel like you have to have tools in your toolbox. And we don't see many one-trick ponies, you know, go and prevail often. Or if they even do, you know, they're, they're pretty much out of there rather quicker than, than later. But I think that Aspinall has far more tools here. His defense, I, I would rate it much better. His movement is just excellent. I think that he actually has ground game. He has a kicking game. He has power. He's not afraid to go into the clinch. I think that he closes a distance rather well. And in order to go ahead and get into the clinch or, or even close a distance, like he has the weapons to go ahead, I think, get him into those positions when he wants them. And I really can't say that for Pavlovich. He's going to pretty much just what? Just walk you down and try to get you into a brawl. Uh, he wants you throwing. He wants to go ahead and counter you. Kind of just unload the clip. That's from what I've seen in all the fights. And these guys don't go very long. I mean, how many other fights have gone into the second round, I think? Pavlovich is like eight in a row in the first, and I think Aspinall is like nine out of his last ten. So Aspinall kind of uses his weapons to try to drag Pavlovich into deep waters, and I think he can avoid some of that power. So I'll take Aspinall here. I feel pretty comfortable with this. If he gets, if he tries to get into like some type of phone booth fight, like why would you even do that when you're at this point of your career and there's everything on the line? That's just completely stupid. I think he has enough movement, enough defense to go ahead and avoid getting into that type of firefight with Pavlovich. So I could see Aspinall probably using some kicks, maybe softening up the calf a little bit, trying to drag Pavlovich into deep waters. But the only question I had, AJ, do you have a, a feeling or a sense on which of these guys is probably more in condition for this fight? Well, remember Aspinall is taking this fight on pretty short notice. Like mm-hmm. he, he – and – I feel like he's probably the more well-conditioned athlete in general, but this feels like the kind of opponent that I would not want to take on short notice because when you really think about it, there's there's not a lot of pass to victory. Uh, I, I agree in general with what you said about who is the better fighter, who like who's got more tools in the toolbox. I think it's certainly Tom Aspinall, but throwing down like if you if you say i'm gonna fight on short notice usually that means you like you need to be willing to go in there and get into a brawl and i i don't know that you can do that i don't know that you can show up on a short camp and say i'm just gonna go in and throw down with this guy and like think that you're gonna have any kind of success because it no one's been able to do that no one's been able to go toe-to-toe with pavlovich and and walk out of there so I do think there is a bit of a concern that on a short notice fight, your your only option is get to your wrestling. And I mean, Aspinall's the he's a, he's a complete striker. Like he's got his hands are absurdly fast. But I think what's what really separates Aspinall from the rest of the division is that he is such a good wrestler and such a good a, a top top ground game guy. Like when he's on top of you, he can control you very well, uh, much like Curtis Blades, but just with significantly better striking. So my thought is if you take away one of those aspects, you take away the boxing from him and you make him just a wrestler, like we saw what what like you can't just wrestle in the heavyweight division unless you're fighting Derek Lewis. You, you have to find some kind of a way to set up your shot. And even when you fight Derek Lewis and you do that and you just jump in on that double leg, you've got to eat some elbows to the side of the head and things like that from these these monster men. And it's not easy to take. Um, 
and and when Curtis Blades was trying to set up a takedown against Pavlovich, he he was trying to throw some strikes, trying to make an opening. And it's however long you can do that for, it's it's a risk. Pavlovich hits so hard, and he, he'll hit you once, and it like you, a wrestler will be thinking, "I'm going to wait until a great opportunity arises, and I'm going to shoot in." And then you get hit, and this is exactly what happened to Blades. And he was like, "Okay, I need to shoot now." And once Pavlovich knows that you're going for that takedown, he's so physically strong, and he's for a giant man, he's an incredible athlete. This is a guy who was a, a Greco-Roman, you know, incredible Greco-Roman wrestler back in Russia. This guy is is not like a, a a guy who has no wrestling chops whatsoever. And if he knows you're trying to shoot, it's not easy to get him down. And I I picture this fight going a lot like that Blades fight. I think it, it could if it devolves into like a brawl, which we know Pavlovich is more than happy to let it devolve into a, bar, a brawl. I don't see a world where Pavlovich doesn't win that. If Aspinall can get this fight to the ground and keep it at the ground for five rounds, I mean, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen anyone do it. Uh, we haven't seen we, we haven't seen Aspinall go that long. And truthfully, when in Aspinall's career, at least in his UFC career, what we've more seen than him, you know, get guy like we've seen him get most guys out early, but the one time where he didn't get the opponent out immediately. And it was like, okay, I, what do I do now? What's the, ne- what's the next path here? And that was the fight with Arlovsky. And it was a, a competitive fight for a little while. Like it, 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 he lo- it almost looked like he was getting tired. I don't know that, it, that that's the case now. I worry a little because, you know, it was July of last year that he blew his knee out against Curtis Blades. Um, and then July of this year, almost a year to the day, he came back and had his first fight. He lasted a minute 13, but he's had a minute and 13 seconds of fight time in the last, you know, almost two years. What's his cardio at? And I, I, here's what, here's the way I approach this fight. I, I believe it's kind of a coin flip. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying your take is wrong. I, I, I'm probably going to be right on this as many times as you are. In my opinion, I, I do think this fight is really well matched. I played a prop Pavlovich by KO or TKO. I get or DQ, but Pavlovich plus one twenty five to finish that fight with his hands. And the reason I did that is because in a coin flip fight, I don't see a way for Pavlovich to win if he doesn't knock out Aspinall. He's not a submission threat. And if it does somehow go five rounds, that means Aspinall's had success with his wrestling. So if this fight, if this fight doesn't end in a knockout, I think Aspinall wins nine times out of 10. Uh, but if it does end in a knockout, I think Pavlovich has the better chance of, of getting that finish. So I'm going to play Pavlovich by KO, TKO, DQ at plus 125. Yeah, I don't hate that. Because, like I said, it was like a one-trick pony kind of thing. That's the only way that I think Pavlovich wins this fight. If you remember, like Aspinall, though, and I think that this goes back to why he won't get into that type of firefight, is if we go back to, like, the Orlovsky fight, he actually hooked up Aspinall's chin more than a couple times in that fight Yep. where he, he stunned him more than a couple times, even, you know, a couple jabs and stuff like that. And I think that that was kind of a reminder to him, like, I'm not going to try to drag out any type of fight and get any type of work. And 
like these dudes hit different. And it's funny, as you were talking about blades, if you go back to the Pavlovich fight where he was fighting blades and you can even go back to the two of fight and the Derek Lewis fight, like Pavlovich hit you. Like those guys all realized this guy has different type of power than I felt because they all stopped in their tracks and it was like this big light bulb went off and they were like, Oh shit. Like this dude's for real, yeah. for real. And that's the only thing that worries me about Aspinall. I think if he, if he avoids getting in that fight, he'll be okay. But if not, then I mean, this dude will knock you out. Yeah. I, I, it's a, it's a fascinating matchup. Uh, and I think the, the idea that the winner of this fight could one day, you know, it might be a few months from now, fight John Jones is incredibly intriguing to me. Like, I, I love the idea that, that John Jones might fight one of these two guys. And I, I think there's, there's good reason to think that it'll be a good fight, no whichever guy it is. All right, before we, uh, before we get to best bets, why don't you throw the people a, a way to save some money at pregame? All right, if you guys are looking to go ahead and save some money here at pregame.com, you guys can get AJ's 90 all access uh, for the UFC. And if you want to save 20% on that, you can do that. All you have to do is enter code GARDEN20 simply at checkout. Again, that's for AJ's 90-day all-access UFC only. Um, I know you're kicking ass and everything else, AJ. I know we were, I was listening to the podcast last night, and you were talking about you know, your NFL record. And I was actually thinking, I was like, AJ is good in college basketball, college football. He does the UFC, does the NFL. He was grinding on the MLB. And it's like you're just a grinder now. So it's not like you're just a one-trick uh, You guys have turned me out, and I, I'm just like uh, – I'm looking for different ways, <laughs> different ways to to jump in on action. And um, it's fun, man. I've, I've bet a couple hockey games this year. I'm up in hockey. Bet a couple NBA games. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to diversify a little bit. And – like what I when I came here, I didn't real I didn't bet MLB anymore. I didn't bet NBA, and I didn't bet. I've never bet hockey, but it was just there's so many opportunities. And once you get around these people who know what they're doing, they teach you some things. And yeah, I I think that it's a I, I'm a lot more diverse than I was uh, a couple years ago. I think that that's something that maybe people haven't noticed, but I think that they should probably take notice of is that. You know, you were a radio guy who started on radio and RJ found you and he was like, this dude knows his crap about sports. Like this dude could literally pick sports. He can pick winners. And when you came on board, it wasn't like you didn't know what you were doing. But I feel like you were one of the fastest growers when it came into like in this industry where now it just seems like like I think if we went on a golf podcast together, if we went on, uh, it doesn't matter what sport. Like you understand how to handicap games right now. So there's really nothing that anybody can throw in your direction that you're not going to be able to sit down and go, I know how to handicap sports. So, you know, I think that that's shining through in all your sports. And that's why you've really been kicking butt. So if it hasn't been said, I'm saying it. I appreciate it, man. If you guys haven't picked up anything from AJ yet, especially for a year, like I'm saying, he's gone through all the sports. It's, it's a really good deal. So go over to pregame.com. Make sure you guys save some uh, save some money over there. All right, let's get to best bet, Sleepy, and uh, I will – you want to go first or you want me to go first, which uh, it doesn't matter to me. You know what, I'll go first. I'm on one of the prelim fights for my best bet here. Um, I'm going to go with Vashislav Borshev and Nazim Sadikov. Easy for me to say, over two and a half rounds, and you get, get that at plus 130. And Borshev, this is a fun, exciting, dynamic striker – but his only finish in the UFC came against Dakota Bush, who is no longer in the UFC because 
he isn't a UFC caliber fighter. Um, Borshev is a weak defensive wrestler. He's got a questionable gas tank. But but I think the good thing about him is he's aware of both of those things. He's done a better job conserving energy, trying not to be totally gassed by the time round three comes around. Uh, Sadikov, on the other hand, the much better grappler, but it doesn't seem like that's what he really wants to do. Like he, He's got the, the abilities to do it, but he's very happy to engage in a striking battle if that's what comes. And he's proven to be very durable. He is a cardio beast. Uh, Borshev may have to survive in the later rounds, but I think it's something he's capable of, especially if he can do some early damage. I, I Again, the theme of the card, this is a very well-matched fight, and getting plus money, plus 130 for this thing to go deep is is appealing to me. So uh, Borshev, Sadikov, over two and a half rounds at plus 130 will be my best bet for the pod. All right, well, I'm glad you did that fight because that was one that I didn't look at, but... Um... I'm I'm glad you got the pronunciations down. <laughs> so that was a positive. My best bet. I'm going to go with. Um, let's, let's, I'm going to stick with the main card here. Matt Frivola against Benoit Saint Denis. I'm going to go ahead and play them under one and a half rounds at minus one forty. And I'm also going to personally play that this does not go into the third round at minus two twenty. So you have to shop around for that one. But official best bet under one and a half rounds minus one forty. I think that this fight has a very, very good chance to go ahead and end early here. Frivola hasn't been in the second round in four straight fights. St. Denis, he hasn't, been, he hasn't even seen the third round in four straight fights. So neither of these guys have seen the third round of what, like four fights each. That's why I went ahead and I added the minus 220 that this will not see the third round. But I think even one and a half rounds under minus 140, I think that you also have to like that one. Both of these guys have power. What I like about both of these guys is they're like finish lookers, always looking to go ahead and get the finish. And I feel like both of these guys, they're willing to go through a wall to kind of to kind of do that. Now, that is dangerous. And with both of these fighters, I see a lot of poor defense on the feet and on the ground. And it's one of those fights where I feel like with just these two fighters in general in the in the octagon that that they're going to make too many mistakes and they're going to get caught, whether it's on the feet or it's on the ground. And I think that they both of these guys have a pretty good counterattack, so I like that as well. I don't know if this is going to be a KO punch or if it's going to be a kick or if it's going to be a submission, but just the way that these guys approach their fights, it's um, it's just this attacking kind of manner. And I want to say it's like um, just this careless type of fight. Like if you go through and you watch their fights, it looks like they're – you know, kind of plotting themselves around, making this this particular type of game plan. But it seems like they kind of install it very quickly, and they're 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 just they're going. So that's kind of what I see. I, I think that we're we're gonna see a mistake. And um, Frivola has has power. A lot of people might not think that. You know, and the odds are suggesting like he's gonna get wiped out here. I'm not convinced that he will. I mean, I've seen him. I don't know if you saw the fight with him and Drew Dober. He knocked him into another planet. Knocked him out. Yeah, I mean, he yep. looked like – I mean, Dober was standing up. His his legs were wobbly. I don't think he knew where he was at. And then uh, in the last fight that he had, I, I forget who the hell he fought, he put him in another orbit too. So that dude's got power, and I know see then he looked really, really good um, in his last fight, and, and he could inflict some pain. But I would be careful just going ahead and whipping St. Denehy into, into like a, a parlay. That, that's one thing that I was like, yeah. eh, you know, like I didn't want nothing to do with that. 
But I think the under one and a half rounds is probably the, the best way to go because I think they're going to make a mistake. One of these guys are going to capitalize, and um, I think this is going to be over rather quickly. Yeah, this is an all-gas, no-breaks fight. These, these guys both very willing to sacrifice defense for offense, and those fights are th- – there's a reason why this is on the main card. Those are the most fun fights to watch. Uh, there, I, there's a reason why Prohoshka and Pereira are, are in the main event because they're very similar. They're willing to say, you know what, you hit me, I'll hit you, and we'll just see who falls down first. So, uh, yeah, I, I like your I like your play under one and a half rounds there as well. All right, that's going to do it for UFC 295. Again, I think one of the best cards of the year, so enjoy it. Uh, and, again, let's recap those best bets, Sleepy. Matt Frivola, Benoit Saint-Denis, under one and a half rounds. Uh, what's the, the lay price on that? Minus 140. All right, and I'm going to go with Borshev Sadikov over two and a half rounds, and I'll play that at plus 130. Sleepy, appreciate it as always, and uh, I'll talk to you before UFC 296. Enjoy the fights, and good luck. Show me Sandoflor. 